It's time to experience Thrill of the Hunt, a collector's podcast. Hey, kid, you want a toy? What do the man know about toys? Action figures each sold separately. Batteries not included. With Kung Fu Grip, the hands that grip. I have three of each, one to display, one to open, and one just in case. Why do you keep all your toys in boxes? How do you play with them? I don't. <laughs> I collect them. You're not a collector's item. You're a child's plaything. You are a toy! Action figures and playsets for ages six and up. Way up! Welcome to the Thrill of the Hunt podcast. I'm Chris, and the gentleman you just heard is my co-host, Brian. <laughs> yep, it's my uh, my fun radio voice. I, like the fun few times I get to do that. <laughs> so uh, you guys are probably wondering, who the heck are these two guys? Like Chris said, uh, my name is Brian. I'm actually um, a 30-something-year-old. I uh, live in... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, I actually <laughs> am originally from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, so you'll probably hear that that little twinge out of my voice ever so often on certain words. I think it'll be fun hearing the two of us because we both have very distinct accents from where we're from, and you'll hear a bit from Chris in a second. Being from New Orleans, I'm a big Saints fan. You know, I'll never miss an opportunity to promote my Houdet Nation. But for the fun part, you know, as the name of this goes, it's the thrill of the hunt. It's about collecting. It's about toys and collectibles. As you heard in the beginning intro of our show, it's, you know, we, we go back and forth between what is a toy, what is a collectible, and, and how do we enjoy them? Do we enjoy them out of the box, in the box? We're going to go through all that fun stuff here. But that's just a little bit about me. I want to turn it over to, to Chris now. We're talking about football teams. Go Niners Nation. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm a huge, huge Yankees fan as well. I'm originally from Illinois, the Chicago area, and have been living in Florida for about five years now, been collecting for over 25 years, been a guest on both Star Wars Action News and Marvelicious Toys podcasts. I would say 90% of my collection is Star Wars, both vintage and modern. And I also have a Yoda focus and maybe a child focus starting too. (laughs) I collect some other lines too, but we'll get into it as we get into the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we both share that love for Star Wars toys and who doesn't, who's a collector, right? Exactly. I mean, the vintage ones started off and, you know, I was, I was a kid when those were around. So that kind of gives you an idea of my age. And I'm just a little bit younger. I I was more with the later eighties generation. So I had turtles and ghostbusters and transformers that those were a bit of my childhood mixed in obviously with any, you know, child Star Wars. So I enjoyed Star Wars via home video, the original trilogy. You know, it definitely was a big part of of my childhood growing up. And, you know, those toys have just continued to grow and live on. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of opportunities us to talk about the the growth and and life of of, uh, Star Wars toys and, and 80s vintage toys. Because as we know, things like to come around again and again. And we see that a lot with the toy lines that we're currently seeing continuing to hit the shelves. And you'll hear a lot about that throughout this podcast. Yeah, it's funny. You talk about some of the stuff that's old becoming new again. And some of those are lines that I collected as a kid. So, you know, in addition to Star Wars, my brother and I had a ton of Masters of the Universe and a ton of the G.I. Joe stuff. There wasn't much we didn't have in the G.I. Joe line through 1986, 87. So we were hot and heavy into that line. 
So those are some fun licenses that are actually coming back around again. Absolutely. And with GI Joe and, and you'll hear about that from a, a segment that we'll do every week called the history of toys and collectibles, where we'll have a moment in history for each month. And speaking of the layout of our shows, we're going to be doing these once a month. So we want you guys to be able to expect when it's coming. And we'll be doing that on the 15th of every month. So right smack dab in the middle of the month, you'll get to hear some new talking points about toys and collectibles, what's now, what's coming, what we're enjoying, and a trip down memory lane. Yeah, Brian. So, you know, obviously this is the first time we're, we're doing this, but what's some stuff you've hunted down recently? Funny you should ask, Chris. The, the last thing I actually got most recently, obviously through the mail, because we're very respectful and understandable about social distancing right now, was from Hot Topic. I was able to purchase one of these Fig Biz, which is a toy brand underneath a company called Incendium. And to kind of give you guys some background, I did a little research on this organization. Uh, they were actually founded... Pretty recently, just about 14 years ago, back in 2006, but they work a lot with myths, monsters, and they deal a lot with metal, like thinking about heavy metal. They do a lot of the heavy metal characters in kind of a reaction style, but also with a little bit more articulation, maybe more of like about a four and a half, five inch scale. And they do them on like a Kenner style card with a bubble, the back of the card, and you'll see this image um, later on. Um, in the show. We'll post these up on our Facebook page and uh, on Instagram. It's really got a great background on the card. It looks almost like a comic with the top left panel having the characters' faces, very reminiscent of 80s comics and and early 90s comics. And uh, the two I got were obviously Ted, Theodore Logan III, and William Stanley Preston Esquire, as we all know, as Bill and Ted. So the Wild Stallions, when they joined forces, so what's really cool about the FigBiz figure, though, as well, is the logo for FigBiz might look a little familiar to a lot of you when you take a look at this. It actually looks like our good old toy line called ToyBiz. Chris, do you remember ToyBiz? I do remember that. I didn't get much into ToyBiz, but I do remember them being around. Absolutely, yeah. And what's great about ToyBiz line, they owned a good number of different licenses. I'm sure we'll do a whole thing on them later on, but mostly known for their Marvel figures. And down the line, they invented Marvel Legends, basically, that line, which is now obviously still popular today through Hasbro. But they also were very well known and either well known for a good thing or a bad thing for doing the Lord of the Rings line. So it actually both was a positive and financially not a positive for them. And wow. though the figures were gorgeous, the sales weren't so much. I actually liked that Lord of the Rings line. I had some of those figures. I don't have them anymore. I went ahead and sold them off just because that line was so massive. But I, I had the Legolas and a couple other figures. And one of the things I think we should mention, we're talking about Toy Biz and the old Marvel Legends, is they pioneered some of the articulation that you have in figures today, the six-inch lines you have today toe articulation. They were known for having that toe articulation, which kind of now has turned into the ankle rocker instead of the toe, but they kind of pioneered some of that. Yeah, great point, Chris. Thank you for sharing that tidbit. Yeah, it's interesting to see how different companies bring their own spin to toy making, and it's really cool to see the evolution of toys over time, both articulation, ball points, as well as looking at the just the sculpting work and what is it real life 
facial recognition softwares are using now to develop better 3D printing. So it's really cool to see that constant growth within the industry. They have to stay on top of it because, you know, the industry is constantly changing and their audience is changing. Chris, now I'm going to turn it back to you. Let, let me know what you've hunted down most recently. Well, I'm glad you asked, Brian, because I'm really excited about this figure that I'm going to talk about. And I think when we do our year in review show, it's going to be a contender for figure of the year. And that is the G.I. Joe classified six inch snake eyes. I ordered this during New York Toy Fair when Hasbro Pulse put it up online. And this figure is gorgeous. It comes with great accessories. It just, it's what a figure should be when you get a figure like this. And especially when you're going to relaunch a line that's as classic and as iconic as G.I. Joe to pick one of the most iconic characters, a Snake Eyes, they nailed this. They hit it out of the park. So this kind of sets the bar really high for the figures coming down the line, but I'm really excited. I mean, he comes with his gun. He comes with a silencer for the gun. He comes with swords. The deluxe version also comes with a bunch of weapons and kind of a weapons rack. And he's just painted beautifully. I really love this figure and I, I can't recommend it enough. So that's one of the things I've also gotten my Count Dooku in the black series which I've yet to liberate from the packaging, but that'll happen soon. I've gotten into this line called Gundam Universe from Bandai. These are about $25. They sell them at Walmart and GameStop and Amazon. They are about six inches high. And it's just the different Gundams in the series that are iconic. Now, if you're not familiar, Gundam is a Japanese anime show that's been going on since the 70s. But I collected the ones back in the day that Bandai did, and they weren't nearly as good as these, and they were about three and three quarter inch. That line was for Gundam Wing, which became very popular on Toonami. And that was kind of my introduction to Gundam. But I picked up the Gundam Death Scythe in the Gundam universe, and that is from Gundam Wing. And I was so impressed with this figure, I immediately went out and ordered the second one from Gundam Wing, which is the Wing Gundam. And then went out and bought the RX-78-2, which is the original Gundam. I haven't been disappointed yet. These things are great. They have good articulation for the armor pieces that they have. My only gripe might be that they don't, some of them don't come with enough accessories. But for $25, these are fantastic figures. Yeah, they sound amazing. I have seen them before as well, because I'm sure as most collectors who are listening to the show, we help each other out. So a lot of the times Chris and I are in different shops and we'll be texting or calling the other person to let them know, hey, do you have this one? Have you seen this one yet? So I am now well aware of the Gundam series because, because of Chris. And I hope a lot of you will go out and check that out now as something new to, to look at. And much like the FigBiz figures I was talking about earlier, something you may not have known about unless you dig and dig into, you know, a lot of the stories coming out of New York Toy Fair, or you're really into a lot of the, the lesser known lines that are out there that are maybe, you know, not your tentpole things like Star Wars or DC or Marvel or any of those major storylines. So you're definitely going to hear a lot from both the top lines all the way to the smaller, less known stuff from us. And Chris, thank you so much for sharing that story about uh, Gundam and your Dooku that hasn't been liberated yet. Neither has mine, so I can't say much. I have my Dooku too, <laughs> and it has not been liberated. 
Yeah, we'll get there. You know, sometimes if you're a toy collector, you get stuff and some stuff you open right away. Some stuff sits there and it's not for lack of excitement on opening that. It's just that you get tied up with other things or you have so much going on. I'm hoping to get some time to work in my toy room, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about toy rooms and collections a, a little bit later on. But you brought up New York Toy Fair, and I thought we could spend a couple minutes just kind of talking a little bit about some of the highlights for us. I know Toy Fair was almost two months ago, but I think since we're starting off the show and a lot of this stuff hasn't quite hit yet, we could talk about it for maybe a few minutes and just what really what was the highlight? What was the low light? What impressed us? What were we disappointed with? What did we want to see more of? Most definitely. I am always up for talking about Toy Fair. It is a dream and goal of both of us to be at Toy Fair one day. So please like our show. <laughs> but uh, I, I will say my favorite, like you asked, my favorite thing about Toy Fair, and I'm sure you're going to echo me in this, but I was going to say that the company that really impressed me most was NECA and the amount of diversification in their lines and really starting to build something for more of a common collector to buy that you're not having to go to the high ends like Sideshow or Hot Toys. Though I love their stuff at Sideshow Hot Toys, but it's great to have an option for like a 12 inch as well as a six inch line for hard to get licenses like TMNT and Ninja Turtles offering us a more stylized option than Playmates. I love my Playmates and my 5.5, but still, I think it's great to have a stylized option that we're getting with the various two packs and TMNT with both the cartoon line at Target and now with Walmart getting the uh, 90s film franchise figures. And then we're also seeing stuff from Jaws. The Jaws stuff looked impeccable, looked amazing on the floor. And Back to the Future, we are finally getting Back to the Future figures. Not talking about reaction figures or like throwback vintage. I'm talking about real artistic representations, full articulation, six-inch figures of Marty. And eventually they said Doc as well. That's just unbelievable. And we're also getting stuff from Bill and Ted, some animated looks from the not-so-well-known animated series of Bill and Ted and Back to the Future. We're also getting the amazing Defenders of the Earth stuff, as well as others. But NECA, and I know Chris has got a lot to add to that as well, because we've been chatting a bunch about this since we've had two months in our isolation to chat. I'm going to let Chris kind of take over and add to that. Yeah, so you talk about NECA, and I agree. I think, I think if I had to hand it to somebody that had the best presentation at the show it would definitely be NECA and I don't collect TMNT uh, as much as I enjoy Back to the Future I don't collect anything from there but just seeing some of the stuff they were producing and the depth that they get into but for me where they just kind of got me was that Defenders of the Earth line I remember and again I'm dating myself but I remember watching that cartoon growing up and just to see somebody do that line justice finally after probably close to 40 years was amazing. I really was impressed with what they had to show. Some other lines there that I thought was good. I thought Hasbro had a, it's hard to say because if you're a Marvel Legends fan or a Transformers fan, they showed you a lot to be excited about. If you're a Star Wars fan or a Power Rangers fan, it was a little lean, understanding that they're going to be showing stuff later in the year 
uh, Hasbro Pulse has been kind of showing stuff. They did a release on various podcasts of showing some new product like the carbonized Boba Fett and some of that stuff that they didn't show at Toy Fair. I know I was trying to win my uh, fan celebration items where they were putting up on Instagram every day, Hasbro Pulse. So I give them props for celebrating the fans. And But why couldn't I win the raffle? That was so <laughs> unfair. I wanted to win a skip so that my wife could say, where is this going to go? <laughs> I wanted to see what it felt like to be you, Chris. Yeah, we'll probably dedicate a whole episode to talk about that thing. But that's the other thing that Hasbro did is they teased their third HasLab project. Well, actually their fourth because there was actually the Cookie Monster, which unfortunately didn't make it. But they teased, yeah, they teased the Sentinel for the Marvel Legends line. Now, what I really want to know, and obviously they just teased it at this point, is that going to be in a six-inch scale? Because they've done a three and three quarter inch scale. I was I mean, going to say not, that. Yeah. It's not yeah. exactly to scale. Yeah. It would have to be a six inch. You're right. It would have to be because it would have to be to what you said, the exact scale of legends, because that was based off the Marvel universe line, which was a three and three quarter. And it exactly. was like in a box set that came with obviously cannonball Wolverine. I know a lot about X-Men, so I'm sure you guys will hear a lot about that. I kind of grew up with X-Men animated series as well as reading the comics. So, but I was obsessed with Marvel Legends. I used to have so many. I had to finally pare down, much like you did sold a lot of those Lord of the Rings stuff. I sold a lot of the Marvel Legends. Well, yeah, I got into the Marvel Universe line hot and heavy when Star Wars had really kind of slowed down before we got the announcement about Episode Seven. And so, and then that kind of transitioned to when Marvel Legends came back with Hasbro. But yeah, we were talking about that Sentinel, and they, I think they've done it two or three times. And they also did a Galactus, which I own still, which is a great figure. But I really am hoping that they're going to be doing the Sentinel on a six-inch scale. Not that I plan to get it, but I think the six-inch collectors would really enjoy that. That was cool to see that. It's nice that HasLab is spacing out the projects they're doing, and they're not doing one line so they're going star wars and they're going transformers and they're going marvel legends and they're really taking advantage of being able to do something really cool on that platform as i mentioned before they were a little light in some areas i know another area brian that you like a lot is the ghostbusters and they showed some ghostbusters stuff at the very end of their presentation yes and i was unbelievably amazed uh, especially with the retro collection though i still have my my firehouse and i still have my acto one from when i played with them i still have them so they're missing some pieces and parts that i need to hunt down you know but uh the retro style figures so i lost a lot of those like i said i'm originally from new orleans so i lost a lot of my ghostbusters stuff in katrina i lost a lot of my figures so i am super pumped about the retro figures coming out because I need to hunt down those six <laughs> so I could actually display my firehouse to its full capability again with the Ecto-1 because I already have the hard stuff. Uh, I just need to get the figures again. So I'm so excited that they've re they brought those models back and they made them again on the original cards. And let me tell you something, Hasbro, you can learn something from this Ghostbuster retro line. The way you did it on those cards look amazing. That's what we would love to see. This is just positive, constructive feedback to you guys. We'd love to see that 
going on with the Star Wars line as well. Maybe kind of up the ante on the card designs a little bit, make them seem a little bit less forced retro and be full on retro. Literally do the same card design. Don't try and make it look distressed. Yeah, I was going to say, you talk about retro lines and you have the retro line from Ghostbusters coming and you have the retro line, which is actually the second wave that should be hitting shortly in the next month or two. But yeah, the distressed cards and the retro sticker, it's kind of a sticking point for some collectors. Originally, I was not all in on the retro line, but I picked up the first wave, and so now I'm kind of in. Obviously, I'm going to get Yoda because I do that. <laughs> but <laughs> I was going to say, because they're now making a Yoda in the retro line. Now, I don't know if your opinion would have changed if they had made Yoda. Yeah, I had already had the Wave 1. I, I picked it up at Target. I was there to get the Han Solo 3 and 3 quarter inch in Stormtrooper and the Luke 6 inch redo in Stormtrooper. And they had the whole Wave. And I said, okay, I'll get them. Um, <laughs> at first, though, being a vintage collector of Star Wars, I was a little concerned about the weapons. Not so much the figures, but they've done enough to differentiate the weapons that if you educate yourself, you'll be able to tell that those are not vintage weapons. So I'm okay with it. It's also great for, and this kind of leads into my next point, getting into Mattel, but it also is great for those fans that don't necessarily want to go back and spend the money to collect the originals. You, you know, it's great for the new collectors that don't want to go and hunt down all original vintage figures. Uh, so they're able to kind of, you know, for displaying purposes and for folks yeah. who are trying to put together uh, a, a great vintage look to their collection they don't have to spend every last bit of their savings it's great for those collectors like myself that have for a long time i've thought about going and getting into vintage he-man and vintage gi joe and i just haven't not that it's necessarily cost prohibitive for me because i wouldn't try and get it all at once but i've done it with star wars and i just don't know that i want to go down that line so now that they're re-releasing a lot of these things, I can just get the re-released version. So the retro collection for Star Wars is great for those collectors that maybe you're a casual fan and you see it and you're like, oh, I had that one when I was a kid and you pick it up. Or, you know, you're a younger collector and you just can't afford to get into vintage. So you can pick those up. And that's kind of what I'm going to do with the Masters of the Universe line, which is coming to Walmart in 2020 in the fall. And then I guess it's going to be everywhere in 2021. That's a line that I plan to kind of get into. Now they've improved the articulation on them. So they're not exactly the same, but they're using that same beefy mold. But I do have this to say about Mattel and, you know, they showed some good stuff, but they were really light on what they showed. And a lot of it we had seen before. So it wasn't really anything new that we didn't know about already. Exactly. Uh, I was, you know, I've never been a, a big Mattel collector. Nothing against Mattel as a company. Obviously, they're one of the major, the major toy companies out there, and they produce a lot of amazing historical lines and have been known for a lot of great characters. But what I'll say is the one line that I was most interested in from Mattel, and I was curious to see how they would handle it, was going to be the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World line. I do own some original vintage Jurassic Park figures, that I've had since back in, you know, 93, 92, when, when those figures start coming out. One thing on my list to hunt down one day is a full electronic compound. That would be sweet. 
But what I would say is for the current line that's coming out, especially the Amber collection that's coming out where they're trying to do six inch stylized versions of classic characters and obviously dinosaurs from the original films, the, the realness in the sculpting is very, very lacking. Um, you can tell that they are not using the current techniques for face sculpting and it's showing especially when I looked at the Ian Malcolm figure um, I've looked at in the store before. Chris, I don't know if you've seen it, but you know, they definitely are, I think are missing the mark a little bit there, especially when they're trying to reach an adult collector with that line. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, you know, the DC line that they had for a while. I just, I collected a couple of them here and there, but none of them just really grabbed me. Which is a great point for what? Now you look at the McFarlane. Yeah. And I've walked down that aisle a couple of times and I'm not a DC collector. You know, I like Batman and I'm more of a Robin Dick Grayson guy. So I like that original Robin costume and the Nightwing costume. And I like some of the, you know, Damian Wayne, that costume and the other Robins, but I'm not a huge collector in those. So I'm like, but I've walked down that aisle and I've seen the Batman from the animated series and the detective comics one. And I've been like, man, I've been tempted to come home with those. I have too. Have you seen the Nightwing that came out? I think it's only available at GameStop right now. There are three figures in that line available at GameStop and they build a smaller Batmobile. They come with pieces to build a Batmobile. Yeah, I have seen those. It's pretty cool that they did the Batmobile. It's like the Build-A-Figure only with the Batmobile. So I have seen them. I still haven't picked it up just because it's not my kind of in my wheelhouse. And I try and I try to stay controlled. I have my lines that I try and stay within. But, you know, sometimes it's like something so cool. You just got to pick it up. Speaking of McFarlane, I want to mention one more thing about them from New York Toy Fair. Obviously, something very new and innovative was announced at the New York Toy Fair by Todd McFarlane himself. They're developing, actually currently in development, he posted some videos up today of a retooling and kind of updating of the original Spawn release figure. And they're offering it as a Kickstarter. It made a million dollars in one day. That's insane. They made that much money. They got that many people to buy this figure. And I think that's an interesting question to say, how has this changed the way that toy companies are going to think about releasing specific, highly detailed, high-end action figures in the future? Well, you're kind of already seeing it because I think, you know, HasLab has that capability. And I think they're still kind of feeling out how they're going to handle HasLab. And I know Mattel, they've done that in the past with some uh subscription figures with varying success maddie collector i I remember yes maddie collector exactly but i think you're you're onto something here and i think that as the toy market becomes less about children as far as more adult oriented toys action figures for all intents and purposes and becomes more about the adult collector i think this is going to be the way you're going to see things start to go a little bit more Obviously, you're still going to have your major players around, but I think for those pieces that you really want, that's where you're going to get them from. Is you're going to have Kickstarters. I mean, look at let's. I go keep going back to Haslab, but it's interesting because that sale barge was a celebration 
six, I think it was, where we were really starting that campaign of we want the sail barge. And Hasbro was saying, no, we're never going to do that. It's too big. We can't do it. And then out of nowhere, they announced HasLab and announced this thing. And it was gangbusters. You know, within the first week, it had done pretty well. And it hit the goal, I think, I want to say like five days early. And then once it hit the goal, it just exploded from there. $500 was a lot to spend, but for what you got for your $500, you're getting a lot. And to take it back to the McFarland figure, Todd McFarland keeps throwing in little extras. So as you get more and more goals met, he's throwing in more and more and he's going the extra mile to do that. And I think that's what you're going to see. I think that's if there's figures that people really, really want, or there's lines that people really, really want, especially if they're a little obscure and I know that Spawn has a big following, but it is kind of a more obscure line. I think this is the way to get it. I think so. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, like you said, how the toy industry is changing because their audience is definitely changing. And I'm sure we'll go into a lot more detail in uh, our future conversations about this topic. Hey, everybody, it's Chris here coming at you with our first Displaying Your Collection tip. And this month's tip is to get creative with your shelving. So what I've done is I've taken four of those half bookcases and I've put them in a rectangle. I've taken a piece of ply board, I've covered it, and I've put it on the top there. Now what that does is give me a larger surface area for displaying my collection or to use for a diorama. In this case, I use that space for a diorama. I hope you've enjoyed this month's tip. Come back next month where I'll have a new displaying your collection tip. I want to shift it over a little bit here to kind of talk about our current situation, the elephant in the room that's called COVID-19, you know, that we're currently dealing with right now and, and how, I just want to talk for a few minutes about how it's been affecting you as a collector. Yeah, I think that's a good segue, you know, we're talking about how collecting is changing with the Kickstarter and that kind of thing, but COVID-19 is definitely impacting the way we collect. You know, obviously for me, you know, we're not doing toy runs right now, which is, which is hard because you're seeing stuff hit. You know, for me, Power Rangers Lightning Collection Wave 4 is starting to hit. People are finding the retro collection and the 40th anniversary collection for Star Wars. The Ghostbusters figures have been spotted at Walmart. So stuff is hitting. But basically, you know, since we're not really going out, we're not supposed to, you know, unless you're going out for essentials, the only way to do it is to get in a pre-order. And if you didn't get it on the pre-order, you're kind of, you're kind of hosed, I guess. Um, I think too, it's also harder for mint on card collectors. So unless you're ordering from a place that guarantees you a mint card, you're kind of taking your chances. So if you're a person that keeps your stuff on the package, you're kind of taking a chance on, you know, is Amazon or Walmart or Target or any of those places, are they going to get it to me and it's going to be in good shape? You know, your mileage is going to vary there. I think too, what I'm seeing is the online community kind of coming together more and kind of trying to help each other out kind of thing and just kind of the camaraderie there. It's going to be interesting because we're not really seeing any delays on the stuff that we saw at Toy Fair that's coming early this year. I think the delays are going to come later in the year for the stuff that has not yet been manufactured or was in the process of being manufactured and had to be stopped as they were doing it. Yeah, and I've been following that a lot with uh, Super 7. The owner of Super 7, Brian Flynn, has been doing a lot of videos 
which is really cool. I really like how Super 7 and Brian Flynn are so accessible to the fans. And I love those smaller toy companies and what they bring to the industry. But when I was watching his video the other day, he was doing an interview with Pixel Dan, who's also a really great dude in the collecting community, a really great guy. And uh, they were talking basically about production and about how, you know, they had to stop production and everything, which means they're not getting the prototypes in to see the prints, to see two things, to see if the, the figure, the item being developed is looking good, is on point, is going to work for what people are paying for. And then secondarily, the packaging and the artwork on the packaging. So they're having to look into that and make sure all of those are good. Much like anything that you get printed at a print house, right? You want to make sure the the copy you get is good before they start going to mass production. So that slows everything down. So a lot of things are ramping up again. So they're starting to get their stuff in. Like first wave of turtles that Super Seven's putting out the ultimate line is finally going to be hitting um, or you know hitting our mailboxes. I think in about about month and maybe early June, which means you know, that they had to push off their pre-order for the third wave because the first wave hasn't even hit people yet because of the production slowdowns. But now that China at least is up and running where most of the production is happening for these uh, toy companies, both small and large, I think things are going to start getting a little bit better. But the other part of this is, like you mentioned, Chris, is, you know, we're not in a time where we can go out and walk around in Walmart and Target and and kind of hang out and look at stuff and play around with stuff in the store, you know, because it's not safe right now to be doing things like that. We should be focusing our shopping, looking for essentials, keeping our distance, socially distance six feet, you know, really trying to be not just aware of our own health, but aware of others' health that we're not aware of. So we have to be careful about that. And, and, and uh, I know that Chris and I are all about that and trying to promote uh, that concept to collectors out there to, to try and be, you know, uh, smart about it and be fair about it and uh, be thoughtful about it of other people's situations, not just your own. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Brian. You know, if you're going out for essentials and you've already got to go out, I'm not saying don't go down the toy aisle because if I got to go out for essentials, I'm going to go down the toy aisle as long as they don't have the toy aisles roped off because I know in some places you can't even go down to the toy aisles. You can only go to the essentials. But definitely trying not to go out unnecessarily right now. I've been getting a lot of stuff online. And I think that what's funny is I think this is going to push more people online. So collecting was already heavily online just because of the different things, the production, you know, times, the distribution stuff. A lot of people have moved to going online to get their, their product. They order it by the wave, you know, if you're into a certain line. So I think this is just pushing that a little bit further. I totally agree. Yeah. And speaking of law online, it has been a very dangerous place for me <laughs> because uh, I've probably been buying a few too many things lately since it's such easy access and I'm always in front of a computer, may it be for work or, or not, because as most people, I'm working remote every day. I know Chris is doing that as well. So, you know, it, it's very easy to slide that cursor over and just click. Yeah, I'll bid on that. Yeah, sure. I've been looking for that for a while. Yeah, that looks nice. You know, <laughs> it's very easy to make that choice. Your Amazon wish list is growing. Yes, it's also depleting because I've been buying a few things. <laughs> and we were just talking before we went on we went on to record. We were just talking about how we were 
They're like, ooh, did you get your shipping update on this figure? Yeah, I did too. This is awesome. It'll be here Saturday. So it's like, it's looking forward to that. Hey, but at least you get to do unboxing now. Yeah, it's funny. So we're talking about things not getting delayed. And I just got an email that my retro collection, because I was fortunate enough to get in on the pre-order through Walmart. And I know it's when Walmart has anything exclusive, it's just kind of like a dagger in the heart of a collector because it's all luck. You know, there's, there, there's no skill involved. It's all luck when it comes to Walmart exclusives. But the retro collection was supposed to be here May the 4th, obviously, perfect tie-in for them. But now it's delayed till May 20th was the email that I just got. And what's funny is those are showing up in stores, but my guess is, is that's probably because they were using the warehouse space for essentials and to get those out to people. And they're going to get those figures out to people when they kind of can get some more essentials in stores. It does look like we're starting to see some more essentials. So that's good. But that's, that's my guess on why those got delayed, especially since you're seeing reports online of people finding them in store. That's the only reason I can think that they would delay them. But I thought that's a good one to mention there and kind of put that information out for everybody. But I think too, what's interesting in this time is we're seeing conventions that are getting postponed or canceled And these are big opportunities for toy companies to market themselves and put out, release new toys, show us what's coming. And that's changing. I know that Hasbro Pulse has kind of adapted. They're doing the Fan First Fridays. And that's where they're going to kind of reveal a little something from their different lines. But it's changing the way that the toy companies are going to reveal stuff. And I think also it's going to change the way business is done because obviously a lot of toy dealers and we're not going to get into it too much because if, if you know Brian and I, you get to know us, we are very much anti-scalping. We are very much help your fellow collectors out cost plus shipping. If you have to ship something, you don't gouge your fellow collectors, but a lot of toy dealers, you know, that kind of deal in some of the vintage and stuff, this is how they make their living and they're not going to get to go to these shows and do this thing. So it's kind of an interesting time for both the toy companies and some of the toy dealers. Agree entirely with everything you just said. I think, yeah, I agree. Helping collector out cost plus shipping is always my line too. But I think the other thing is, I think social media is going to become the platform now. I think every toy company is going to be using their different social media channels to promote and announce. They're also going to utilize podcasting channels and utilize fan sites much like you just mentioned, Hasbro did that with their fan celebration and they're doing with their fan first Fridays, where they're either doing a new announcement, either allowing someone else to announce it first through a fan site or a podcast. You know, they're going to adapt much like we're adapting in, in all the rest of the workforce. You know, I think they're going to be adapting to their audiences and where they are now. It, it'll be interesting to see. I think the biggest deal about this is SDCC, is San Diego Comic-Con. This will be the first time They've ever not had it, especially after they just celebrated 50 years. It's going to be quite an interesting thing to see how that affects the community, not just toy companies, but I think the entire pop culture community and how it announces things. So this is bigger than just toys. It's going to affect, obviously, film announcements, TV announcements, things that have been pushed back now with release dates, which affects the toy lines that are attached to them, right? So everything is going to get affected by this. But all we can do is just follow the experts' advice. When I mean by experts, I mean the medical professionals that are out there. 
you know, and doing what we can to help, you know, slow the spread and create a better situation for our healthcare workers and for them to be able to manage the situation. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian. I think that San Diego Comic-Con is the linchpin of cons, right? I think there's, there's a couple big ones you can point to. There's Emerald City Comic-Con, there's San Diego Comic-Con, there's New York Comic-Con, there's kind of WonderCon, and on the years they do Star Wars Celebration, that's kind of a big one, which that one's up in the air for this year. And my guess is, is that one's going to be canceled or postponed as well, especially being in California this time around. You're right. It changes the industry. And you brought up a, a great point that I wanted to talk about. And that is that with a movie like Black Widow, those figures are hitting stores now because that's when that movie was originally slated to come out. And now that movie's not coming out till November. Now, obviously, hardcore collectors are going to go and track those down. But what about your casual fans? Like, oh, I'm going to go see the movie. And then, oh, it was pretty cool. So now I'm going to pick up a figure. So you're going to lose, you know, toy companies are going to potentially lose that business. Now, do I think that's a huge part of their business? No. But I also think that part of getting collectors to buy stuff is to hype us. I mean, let's be honest. You know, they like to hype us and we get hyped and we go out and we buy stuff. I know I do. I know fellow collectors do it all the time. So without that movie, how well is that line going to sell? And is that line going to end up on clearance at the store because you didn't have the movie to back it up? And that's only one movie example with a toy line. I'm sure there's probably a couple others. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but you've also got, how are they going to release these, these trailers and these things that are coming later and everything has been postponed. So the other question I have with pop culture is, are we going to have any content come the fall? Because a lot of stuff shut down other than the Mandalorian, which thank God finished shooting season two <laughs> already. So we'll at least get that. But are we going to have any content for movies and TV shows that we all love? You know, I think, I think things will, I think there's still a lot that's already, like you said, like Mandalorian and stuff that's been recorded that we'll get to see and we'll get to enjoy in the fall. And I think there's a number of films that were still on target to come out in the fall that are in the editing phase that doesn't need any kind of physical interaction to finish. It's, you know, a lot of them are past reshooting. I know Bill and Ted 3 is still happening and coming out in a few months. So hopefully, you know, we'll see that along with some other temple films that are, you know, 80s nostalgia coming out this year. So Top Gun, um, I'm looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Maverick, yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, I, th- I think we'll be okay. You know, and I think the, the idea of how they're laying out the new release dates is they're thinking to the far edge possibility of how things are. I think it's more so about, you know, like, it, like we've been talking about gatherings of large groups of people. And I think that's what we're really focused on about for this year is to try and limit the opportunity for people to gather in large groups. I think the more we can do to eliminate that as much as possible this year, will make things much easier, like I said before, for our medical professionals to manage the incoming need and for us to get to a sense of preparedness and more so normalcy. But, you know, as we all know, this is going to change the landscape of things regardless. Companies are seeing ways to save money by using more online avenues rather than having to do a lot of print stuff and going to these cons. So, We'll see how this all shakes out. I think it's too early to, to understand how it's truly going to affect things, but we can at least start seeing how it is affecting it now. But the long-term ramifications of it, I think we'll see, we'll start getting a sense of that as we get towards like the end of the year and beginning to next year. 
you know, I, I would, that, that's my last thought on that. Yeah. I, I think it's a good way to, to kind of leave it there. There's going to be impacts. I mean, there's already been impacts to everything, right? But there's going to be some, some impacts to, to the toys that we love and the lines that we collect and to the pop culture that kind of drives us collecting these toys, but we'll get through it. And I think that's the important thing is, you know, as long as we're doing what we can, we'll get through it. We'll get there. It's not fun. I'm sure, but we will get there. So, you know, everybody hang in there. We hear, we, we understand what you're going through. It'll be all right. We still have Amazon, eBay, and some other online avenues for us to spend money. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> On this month in Toys and Collectibles History. We go back to the year 1968 when I was Sweet 16. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Sweet 16 was the name known to many a collector of the little die-cast cars called Hot Wheels. During May of 1968, boys and girls of all ages lined up to buy the Hot Wheels Red Line, which came in at a whopping 59 cents per car. Up to this point, Matchbox was the only major player in Diecast, but Hot Wheels with their Sweet 16 nearly put them out of business. Hot Wheels still thrives today and continues to be popular and affordable. You know, as we wrap up this episode, what are you looking forward to that's coming out soon? Since we are heading into the end of May, you know, um, as you guys are hearing this, it is May 15th. You know, what's really starting to hit shelves, and we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that's going to be coming out soon, is all of the child merchandise that we saw, all the fun pre-orders for at the end of last year and beginning of this year is finally in production and is going to be hitting your mailboxes and your front doorsteps in mid and late May. Things I'm most excited about in the child stuff would have to be, and for those who don't know who the child is, it's Baby Yoda. (laughs) for the child merchandise the thing i am most excited about is probably the black series figure i I love the accessories it comes with and also the little three packs that are coming out too that are in different poses animated scenes of kind of from the first season those are two packs aren't they there were three packs there's three two packs i think what i'm talking about is uh i guess i guess yeah i think you're right the three two packs yeah now, now the image of my Amazon list is coming in my head. Yeah, there are three two-packs. Yeah, and each one kind of comes to a different, fun, lovable scene from The Mandalorian Season 1 with the child. I'm excited about those and the uh, Black Series child uh, figure. Those are the things I'm most excited about for May. Cool. I Just today, actually, as we're recording this, I got my child pop. So I was kind of excited about that. And I, like you, have a bunch of the child merchandise on pre-order. But for me, I'm looking forward to Power Rangers Lightning Collection Wave 4. Not necessarily the whole wave, but probably two out of the three. The Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Yellow and the Zeo Blue. Uh, Those are more the series that I remember. Now, you know, you're probably saying to yourself, you're a little old for Power Rangers, aren't you? Funny thing is, is I lived in Japan as a kid. So I watched Super Sentai when we lived in Japan. And when Power Rangers came on over here, my sister was into it and she was watching it. And I watched it one day and I'm like, I've seen this before. Maybe not this iteration, but I know I've seen this formula. Spandex, brightly colored suits, big giant robot that combines, monsters that look crazy. I watched Super Sentai Biomon was the big one that I remember. But so anyway, I kind of get into Power Rangers a little bit. 
I never got into the legacy collection. I just didn't like those figures. I didn't like the torso on them. They looked too long. They were kind of beefy. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to Mighty Morphin Yellow and Zeo Blue. I'll probably pick up the SPD Red. And the Yellow is the second to last one to give us a full original Mighty Morphin squad. The Blue Ranger comes out later this year in Wave 5. So that will kind of complete it. We don't have a Zack without the Dragon Shield, but I think we're going to get that later. I'm sure it's in the works. I'm looking forward to those. Obviously, my 40th anniversary and retro collection Yoda. And then I'm hoping that we get some more G.I. Joe classifieds that ship here. I think a lot of them had a June date, but I'm hoping maybe a couple of them make it out early. I'm really, really excited to get a couple more figures from that line. Yeah, you told me you were just going to keep it to the to the original and the Zeo, but it sounds like it's expanding. <laughs> it has expanded. I have the Shadow Ranger from SPD, which is the, the Doggy Kruger character, and then I have the, I forget what his name is. He's from Lost Galaxy, and he's kind of the, I think he's called the Magna Ranger. I just like the look of it, so... I may be going and getting the Lost Galaxy ones. I won't be getting more recent series like Beast Morphers, you know, which is the main one out now. And that's one of the characters in the new wave. I'm not going get, to get some of those, but yeah, I am kind of getting into some of those older Rangers. It kind of just depends. If, it's, if I like the outfit, I'll probably pick it up. I think they're cool. Very cool. Well, Brian, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Come back next month to hear us talk toys and collectibles on Thrill of the Hunt, a collector's podcast. Until next time, we wish you good luck on your toy hunt. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show, we would love a five-star review on iTunes. You can find Thrill of the Hunt, a collector's podcast on Facebook at Thrill of the Hunt Collector Podcast. There you can interact with us and find links to our other social media channels. The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed in this show are those of the hosts and belong solely to them. This podcast is not affiliated with any of the toy companies or licenses mentioned in the show. This show may not be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without express written consent from the hosts.